This episode is brought to you by NutriSense, a provider of continuous glucose monitors. A NutriSense CGM is an incredible way to monitor your blood sugar levels in real time. And their app helps you see exactly how your diet and lifestyle specifically affect your blood sugar. I tried a NutriSense CGM this past summer, and it was a game changer. It was amazing to see how my meals and specific foods were affecting me positively or negatively. There was a whole lot of experimentation while using it to see what worked best for me. Some foods were real shockers. Right now, you can get a NutriSense CGM and take $25 off your first month of service. This includes two CGMs to be used for two weeks each, the app, and a month of free dietitian support. That support is invaluable, by the way, and the best part of the service. Use the code NICOLE25 for $25 off your first month today. Hi, I'm Nicole Jardim, a certified women's health coach, also known as The Period Fixer, and you are listening to another episode of my podcast, The Period Party, which is what happens when you get the world's leading women's health experts unscripted, uncensored, and on the air. Think of it as girl talk gone menstrual. On The Period Party, we talk candidly about all of those off-limits topics, periods, hormones, vaginas, fertility, miscarriage, postpartum, and so much more. Join me and my guests each episode for fun, fresh, and truthful conversation, and let us help you develop a deeper understanding of how your body works. Hey, everyone. This week, I'm bringing back a listener favorite while my team and I take a well-deserved Christmas break. I'll be talking about the four phases of the menstrual cycle and what is happening on a hormonal level during each of these phases. You'll learn about each of the hormone players, why they fluctuate when they do, and why ovulation is the most important driver of female hormone health. Even if you've heard this before, I promise you will learn something new when you listen again. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you're having a wonderful holiday. Female bodies are cyclical by nature, producing varying quantities of hormones at different points in our monthly menstrual cycle. These include estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Other hormones such as follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH, luteinizing hormone, or LH, antimalarian hormone, known as AMH, prolactin, oxytocin, and cortisol, as well as neurotransmitters such as serotonin, epinephrine, and dopamine also fluctuate kind of amazing. These hormone fluctuations create four rather distinct phases in your cycle. Before we get into the four phases, though, I want to tell a little story. In the beginning of 2019, the U.S. women's soccer team was in its final phase of preparations for the upcoming World Cup in France. I know you're probably wondering why I'm talking about this and what it has to do with the phases of the menstrual cycle, but hang tight. I'm going to get to it. At their training facility in Santa Barbara, California, players were put through a rigorous fitness regimen designed by Don Scott, the national team's fitness coach. So Scott had been the team's fitness coach for about nine years in the run-up to the 2019 World Cup, but this year she decided to do something different. In addition to her team of strength coaches and nutritionists, she added a new specialist, period consultant, and her name was Dr. Georgie Bruinvels. Dr. Bruinvels, specialist in optimizing the performance of female athletes, had done extensive research into how each phase of the menstrual cycle impacts a woman's athletic performance. By tracking each team member's period, Scott and Bruinvels were able to gain a comprehensive understanding of each woman's cycle and design strategies to maximize their performance during each phase. 
These strategies included adjustments to sleeping schedules, diets, lifestyle, and training for each player. As Georgie Bruenfeld says, it empowered them to be proactive. She said there's no evidence that someone can't perform at their best at any time in their cycle if they are proactive about taking steps. The U.S. team went on to win the 2019 World Cup with Rose Lavelle scoring the winning goal in the finals. Rose got her period the next day. Amazing, right? Can you imagine having to play a World Cup soccer game the day before your period? I certainly can't, and it actually feels like my worst nightmare. (laughs) But again, it's possible. So as the U.S. team story illustrates, learning about and embracing your internal cyclical nature is one of the most powerful and effective ways to maximize your true potential in all areas of your life. That's right. Our periods don't actually have to hold us back, even when we assume they will. We women work hard to stay on top of everything we do, and we expect to have the same energy level every single day of every single month. However, that cyclical nature of our bodies makes that impossible. Your hormones, particularly estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, are meant to ebb and flow throughout those four phases of your menstrual cycle. As it cycles through the bleeding, follicular, ovulatory, and luteal phases, your body changes nearly every week, sometimes even every day. So just as each outdoor season brings its own distinct characteristics, such as the cold and quiet of winter or the light-filled fecundity of spring, the hormonal shifts occurring in each phase of your cycle create different physical responses and emotions. And these hormonal changes occurring on almost weekly basis throughout your cycle will impact your mood. So whether you feel happy or calm or even sad or anxious, They're going to impact your sleeping habits, how you react to situations and people, the decisions you make, I swear it's true, (laughs) how social or how introverted you feel, your motivation and your energy levels, the nutrients that you might need, and the type of exercise that's going to support you as well as your sex drive. I get into the nitty gritty of all of these hormones in the book, but for now, it's enough to know that Mastering your internal rhythms is the key to feeling more connected to your body and the first step to solving a lot of the physical and emotional complaints that are associated with our cycles. I personally feel like this knowledge will help prepare you for your own natural ebbs and flows and will provide important clues about whether your hormones are functioning the way they're supposed to in the various phases. Let's get into phase one, the bleeding phase, also known as menstruation. You may have been taught that your menstrual cycle ends with your period, but actually day one of your entire menstrual cycle is the first day of bleeding. On average, the bleeding phase lasts somewhere between three and seven days. Right before your period, your progesterone level plunges, causing the breakdown and shedding of your uterine lining. As menstruation gets underway, your key female sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, are at the lowest they're going to be in your entire cycle, with progesterone actually staying low until after ovulation. When menstruation starts, the proverbial floodgates open, and you likely will feel a sense of release or even relief after the anxiety or feelings of anticipation you feel in the lead up to it. During this week, you may feel tired, you may feel introspective, withdrawn, and even emotionally vulnerable. Interestingly, your cervix, the cylindrical-shaped tissue that connects the vagina and uterus, changes position throughout your cycle. In this first phase, 
if you were to feel for it, it would feel firm to the touch, sort of like the tip of your nose. It's going to be in a low position, so it's easier to feel for, and slightly open to allow menstrual blood to pass through. The bleeding phase also marks the first half of the follicular phase, during which a region of your brain, known as the hypothalamus, secretes something called gonadotropin-releasing hormone, or GNRH, which instructs your pituitary gland, that master endocrine gland, to release follicle-stimulating hormone. FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, communicates with your ovaries. It's just having a conversation all day long. And between days one and four, it starts to recruit a handful of ovarian follicles, each of which is a little balloon-like sac that contains a single egg. Between days five and seven, just as menstruation is wrapping up for most of us, one follicle from the selected group is chosen. It's kind of like the Hunger Games of egg selection because only one follicle is recruited to ovulate while the rest of the follicles in the group will disintegrate. Mother Nature definitely does not play around. That's the first phase and that's what's happening as you're wrapping up your period. And so we move now into phase two, which is the follicular phase. So this is the non-menstruation half of the follicular phase because the follicular phase actually starts on day one of your cycle, day one of your period, and goes through to ovulation. But I've just differentiated them as the bleeding phase and then the non-bleeding phase of the follicular phase. I know that sounds a little confusing, but hopefully that makes sense. Anyway, the point is, is that this is just sort of the second part after menstruation before ovulation. So this is the time in the menstrual cycle when the ovaries continue preparing for, you know, the big O, ovulation, <laughs> not orgasms, but hopefully you're having orgasms during this time as well. These maturing follicles that I was just describing, they start producing estradiol, which is estrogen, but it's the more prominent estrogen in our bodies when we're still cycling, when we're still having periods on a regular basis. So this estradiol is being produced in increasing amounts. And then around day eight of the cycle or halfway through the follicular phase, it might be different if your ovulation happens later on in your cycle. What happens around this time, mid-follicular phase, is that that chosen follicle from the group that I was just talking about starts to flex its muscles and dominate. And this is because of the inhibitory effect of anti-malarian hormone on those other follicles. As estradiol continues its ascent, it signals the brain to slow down FSH production and crank up luteinizing hormone, or LH, production by that same pituitary gland. So rising LH is going to stimulate production of androstenedione and testosterone, which are both considered male sex hormones, which play a supporting role in the act of ovulation. So there's a lot of hormones coming together for this one thing that's happening. As ovulation is approaching, estrogen is also preparing the uterus for pregnancy, right? So it's thickening the blood vessels of the uterine lining. The cervix is also changing too. So the cervix will gradually move higher in the vaginal canal and start to open up. And cervical fluid is pretty non-existent in those first few days after menstruation ends. But then as your estrogen is building, right, because it's being produced by the little follicles on your ovaries... What happens is estrogen is building and stimulating the cervix. So cervical fluid begins to take on this wetter consistency. So it might look pasty or creamy. It might look like lotion, but if you touch it, it will feel like that in your hands. 
you're most fertile in the second half of the follicular phase leading up to ovulation. So a barrier method of birth control should definitely be used if you are not planning to get pregnant. I have been talking about blood sugar testing and how to balance your blood sugar for years. I recently used a continuous glucose monitor from NutriSense and my world has forever changed. I learned so much about how certain foods and stress were affecting my blood sugar, and I was able to work on my diet and stress in a much more optimized way. Right now, use the code NICOLE25 to get $25 off your first month of NutriSense, which also includes use of their app and free dietitian support. So now we move into phase three, which is the ovulatory phase. Contrary to popular belief, ovulation, as far as I'm concerned, not menstruation, is the star of the menstrual cycle show. And as my dear friend, Dr. Lara Bryden says, who, by the way, is the author of the great book, The Period Repair Manual, she says that ovulation is how women make hormones. And it's so true because the ovulatory phase is really where the biggest hormonal fluctuations are happening. It's also the shortest phase, but like I said, we have a lot happening during this time of the cycle. It's the culmination, really, of all the hard work that your body has been doing throughout the follicular phase. During the ovulatory phase, estradiol levels rise in parallel to the size of that maturing dominant follicle. Increasingly, high levels of estradiol are going to tell the hypothalamus in your brain to trigger that mid-cycle LH surge that is needed to initiate ovulation. I know a lot of you use ovulation predictor kits to track whether you've ovulated or not. Well, what those kits are actually testing for is LH or luteinizing hormone. The thing is, is that it surges right before ovulation to kick ovulation off, but it doesn't ever tell you that you've ovulated. So if you're only using those ovulation predictor kits, just know that you're not going to know for sure if you've ovulated unless you're actually tracking your cervical fluid in combination with your basal body temperature. That's something that you have to remember, and it's really important to do if you're trying to find out if and when you're ovulating, you're also trying to get pregnant, just making sure that you know what's happening during your cycle and when. So right before the LH surge happens, your estradiol level actually falls which is often the cause of mid-cycle or ovulatory spotting that a lot of us might experience. LH and progesterone increase levels of substances known as prostaglandins and proteolytic enzymes. These are actually responsible for weakening the walls of the follicle so the egg can more easily get out. How incredible is that? So remember, prostaglandins are also playing a role when you get your period itself because they are triggering the uterus to contract. So they play a role throughout your menstrual cycle. So in a remarkably short period of time, because the ovulation process is really only 24 to 48 hours long, this complicated dance of LH and FSH and estradiol and progesterone results in an egg bursting out of the follicle on the ovarian surface and into the peritoneal cavity, where it is ushered into a fallopian tube by the fimbrae, so those are those finger-like projections on the fallopian tubes, and pushed along toward the uterus. Once an egg is released, it only is going to survive for about 12 to 24 hours. But keep in mind that within that window, another egg could be released. 
that second egg will also survive for about 12 to 24 hours. And if both were to be fertilized, this would result in fraternal twins. The egg will either be fertilized on its journey through that fallopian tube by a sperm cell, or it's going to disintegrate. And the remainder of the follicle then becomes a temporary endocrine gland called the corpus luteum, which is an important player in the next and final phase of the menstrual cycle. I think it's also kind of fun to know that ovulation occurs randomly from either ovary on any given cycle, but some studies have indicated that ovulation occurs more frequently from the right ovary and that ovulation on the right side has a higher potential for pregnancy. I find that fascinating. For me personally, I never feel the ovulatory twinge on my left ovary, but I always feel it on my right ovary. And I hear that a lot from a lot of clients and friends in general. So I'm so curious what you notice when you're starting to pay attention to your ovulation. At this point in the menstrual cycle, so this ovulation time, your cervix becomes soft, it moves up higher in the vaginal canal and opens. This positioning helps your released egg get the best, meaning the strongest and healthiest sperm, as those sperm will actually have to swim farther to get to the cervix where they can kind of take a pit stop and then move on in their quest to reach the released egg. In preparation for the sperm, your cervical fluid is going to completely transform into what is known as fertile quality cervical fluid. So this is going to look kind of clear or translucent. And it's going to be viscous. So think raw egg white, very elastic, very stretchy, or it can just feel very wet and watery. You might even notice it on the toilet when you go to the bathroom and you might actually notice it hanging right out of you. That's that very fertile quality cervical fluid. And interestingly, if you were to look at it under a microscope, the fluid would contain channels that help the sperm swim up through the cervix kind of incredible. So this fertile quality cervical fluid actually nourishes sperm. It protects them from the vagina's natural acidity and guides them toward the egg. Amazing stuff. Our bodies are truly incredible. This takes me into phase four, which is the luteal phase. This phase typically ranges from 11 to 17 days, but is about 12 to 14 days in most women. That's what the studies say. It looks a little bit different for each of us. Mine is usually somewhere between 13 and 15 days long. That is just my own observation from tracking my cycle for many, many years. When you start to track your cycle, you will be able to know how long your typical luteal phase is. The length of the luteal phase is based entirely on how long that corpus luteum, the little follicle that released the egg, maintains its progesterone production. After ovulation, we have FSH and LH levels declining significantly, with LH remaining low for the rest of the cycle, and then FSH just rising slightly before your next period to get that next round of follicles ready. Estrogen continues its sharp decline after dropping right before ovulation occurs, while progesterone continues its climb thanks to that corpus luteum's progesterone output. And remember, progesterone is going to stay high throughout the luteal phase. Progesterone is a fascinating hormone because it's a thermogenic or heat-inducing hormone, meaning that it raises your basal body temperature for the remainder of the luteal phase. This rise in temperature is an important indicator of whether you've ovulated or not. Progesterone also further prepares the endometrium for a possible pregnancy, and it transforms cervical fluid from that stretchy, 
wet, watery cervical fluid that I just described to this opaque and sticky or less fluid-like cervical fluid. And what's so interesting is if you were to examine that under a microscope, it would appear to have a basket weave texture, which serves as your vagina's very own sperm barrier. Yep, that's correct. It blocks sperm. This is why it's referred to as infertile cervical fluid, as it's particularly hard for sperm to swim through it at this stage. So as we move through the luteal phase and we get into that second half of the luteal phase or the second week, estrogen makes one more appearance in a last-ditch effort to further prep your body for pregnancy. Due to that higher estrogen in that second half of your luteal phase in the lead-up to your period, what you may notice is an increase in cervical fluid, resembling what you would have seen in the lead-up to ovulation. I just want everyone to know, this is not fertile quality cervical fluid, so you cannot get pregnant because once you have ovulated in a cycle, that's it. You are unable to get pregnant again. And you might also find that because of that increased estrogen, you're going to notice maybe some increased energy. You might have a sex drive that you were not experiencing before in your luteal phase. And you might also notice a decrease in PMS symptoms. So you might notice your mood starts to level out a little bit, which can be very exciting for anyone who struggles with PMS symptoms. Now, if you're trying to get pregnant and the egg is fertilized, it starts producing something called human chorionic gonadotropin hormone, or HCG, and it continues to make its way down the fallopian tube to the uterus. The HCG will signal the corpus luteum to keep making progesterone as well as estrogen to support a pregnancy in its early stages. If there is no pregnancy, the corpus luteum function begins to decline at about 9 to 11 days after ovulation. So this drop in estrogen and progesterone that follows will tell the uterine lining it's time to go. And you will start another cycle with the first day of your next period. Wow, aren't our bodies remarkable? Each month, your body is capable of making a mini endocrine gland in under 24 hours. Yes, that corpus luteum is only 2 to 5 centimeters long, and it starts producing progesterone almost immediately after it is created. Men's bodies do nothing like this. This is a testament to the incredible creative capacity of a woman's body. No juggler in the world could keep so many balls in the air at one time, which is why it's easy to see how the slightest hormonal miscue could lead to a collapse of the entire endocrine system and the rise of period problems. But just because our cycles are intricate does not mean nurturing them has to be complicated. You do not need to learn to juggle to have a healthy menstrual cycle. You just need to give it the support that it needs and then pay attention to the inevitably amazing results that you will see. I fully recognize, though, that if your symptoms are a rail slog and you are struggling, you might not be as excited about this hormonal juggling act as I am, but I encourage you to get my book and begin learning even more about your cycle so that you can begin to feel in control again. I was where you are right now 20 years ago. I had no clue and I was really struggling and it's taken me a lot of time and effort to figure it out and I want to cut all of that out for you. I'll leave you with this. I want you to think of this question. How do your hormones get messed up in the first place? They get messed up by low-quality food, foods that cause blood sugar imbalances like refined carbohydrates and sugars, 
foods high in inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids like canola and corn oil, environmental toxins like BPA that mimic estrogen and phthalates that disrupt our thyroid hormones, a high level of stress in our lives that goes on unmitigated for long periods of time, and problems with our digestive system like low stomach acid, leaky gut, and gut dysbiosis. The key takeaway here is that the problem is also the solution. A vast majority of us have control over most of these problems, meaning that we have the solution. You can find all of this information and more in my book, Fix Your Period. The book is full of explanations for everything, which I think most of you will appreciate. And it has a six-week step-by-step protocol that walks you through food, blood sugar balancing, gut health reclamation, liver detoxification, addressing chronic overstimulation, stress, and dealing with thyroid issues. Plus, there's so much more in there about what to do at the end of the six-week program, the right test to get depending on your symptoms or condition, and how to live in harmony with the four phases of your cycle, which I've just described in this episode. Basically, it's 400 pages of menstruation education. (laughs) Finally, I just want to say this. When Don Scott and Dr. Bruinvels embarked on their plan to optimize their soccer players' training based on their cycles, before they could do anything, they first needed to understand the symptoms each player was exhibiting during each phase. And the same goes for you. By recognizing these changes and living in sync with them, you can ensure that you're always performing at your best. Remember that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to any of this. It's your own unique cycle, and you will need to learn to observe it, understand it, and work with it. Hopefully this episode was helpful for you. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you soon. That's a wrap. Be sure to join me for more Girl Talk Gone Menstrual in upcoming episodes, and let me and my guests help you to get to know your period and your body better. In the meantime, if your hormones are screaming for more, check out my previous period party episodes. And of course, if you love what you hear, please take a moment to rate the podcast. And if you're looking for an even deeper dive into your hormone and period problems, go ahead and grab my book, Fix Your Period, by going to fixyourperiod.com.